Welcome to the Declaration Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us. We pray that today's message encourages you and blesses you. If you'd like to connect with us, please visit us at declaration.org. Today is week three in our series called Wonderful. And as we begin today, I want to remind you of a couple of theme verses. Psalm 133.1 says how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers, basically those who are followers of Jesus, live together in harmony. John chapter 17, verses 20 and 21. My prayer is not for them alone, speaking about those who believe. But Jesus says, I also pray for those who will believe in me. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, as we are one, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Now, in that first week of this series, we saw that when we surrender our lives to Jesus, we have something profoundly life-changing in common. That's why we say we have more that unites us than divides us. In fact, the things that divide us, if you think about it, are really things of this world, The thing that unites us that's so life-changing, life-giving, and profound is the Holy Spirit. And so when we surrender our life to Jesus, we we, we ask him to empty us of our past, of our our shame, of ourself, of our yesterdays, and fill us with his Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, this brings a certain unity that we're going to see this week and play out into next week. And and what happens in the church when people walk in unity, when, when brothers and sisters of Jesus walk together in unity, we become citizens of the kingdom of God. Ephesians 2, we saw this starting in verse 11. It says, don't forget that you Gentiles, basically that's us, you Gentiles. You used to be outsiders. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises that God had made to them. You lived in this world without hope and without God, but now you've been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. See, before we knew Jesus, we were alienated. We were outsiders, we were excluded, we were isolated, we were separated, we were without hope, and we were without God. But now, because of Jesus, we're brought near, we're we're united back to God through Jesus. We we now share in the covenant promises of God. We have hope, and we we can know God's love. We can know that we have a place to belong. And see, if you remember, we said this in week one, Jesus' desire Um, for us is unity because his desire for the world is salvation. His desire is that everyone in the world would have the opportunity to know him and to know God's love, to be reunited back to God, to be brought near, restored, reconciled, redeemed, to, to know hope, to belong, to be citizens of the kingdom. So as we see God's heart in John 3, we're gonna spend a little bit of time there next week. We see Jesus' heart in Psalm 133 and especially in John 17. His heart for us is unity, us believers, unity, because his heart for the world is salvation. And now listen, I know that there's some things that we may disagree with, maybe doctrinally with some other believers, um, but we have in common this life-changing, life-giving gospel that should unite us. I mean, it's what should rally us, right? Right? Because more than anything else, that's what the world needs right now. 
Can I say that? Can I, can, I, can, I, I mean, can I just amplify that? More than anything else, we're spending a lot of time and attention and a lot of money thinking that we really, really desperately need certain people to sit in certain places of power. And, and while there's some importance to that, it cannot hold a candle to what the world really needs, which is really just Jesus. We wouldn't, have to, we wouldn't have to wring our hands and worry so hard about how we're voting if people's lives were aligned with Jesus, if their hearts were fully belonging to Jesus. Do you see it? The world needs Jesus. And, and listen, church, the, re, the reason why we went into this whole series in the first place is because I could see trouble around the bend before we even got to an election. And it was so important to me that we as the, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, would, would stop and get proper perspective, proper eternal perspective to zoom way out and to realize that, man, what this world really needs right now is Jesus. And if we don't show them a unified heart, not only for Jesus, but for them, where else are they going to see this? Where else will they hear this? So the gospel should rally us. It's what the world needs. We've got to consider our common citizenship in Jesus as we keep our eyes lifted to the bigger picture. Being, man, people need to know hope. They need to know Jesus and the love of God through us. So we need to show Jesus to be attractive in every way. In every way. You know, sometimes I'm afraid when the outside world looks into the church, it looks more like we're kind of more like the reality TV show, Housewives of Name Whatever City, right? That's what it kind of feels like sometimes, where we kind of display a lot of disagreement and disunity and drama rather than this fragrant and attractive aroma of Christ, of life. We got to keep in mind our common citizenship that we have in Christ, realizing that there are still so many people who are still, um, at least biblically, what we see, they're alienated and far away from God, and they need hope. They need hope. Last week, Pastor Aaron did such a great job as we looked at Ephesians 6, and, and we saw that we have a common enemy. Not only do we have a common citizenship, but we also have a common enemy. But look, just to reiterate some things he said, our enemy is not of flesh and blood. The real enemy that we deal with is not of flesh and blood. We, we have to do our best to keep this in mind. It's not each other. We, our enemy is not one another. It's not really with people. According to Ephesians 6.12, it says we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. See, our enemy is of the spiritual nature. It's with strongholds and demonic influences. And yes, these things are true. They are real. That is the enemy. Our enemy is not with others who we, who we may, not, you know, may not necessarily agree with us 100% of the time. Our enemy is not from some other denominational tribe. Our enemy is not some other race other than yours or mine. Our enemy is not from the other side of the political aisle. Our enemy is not of flesh and blood. The Bible says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. So if I had to sum up last Sunday, I'd say it like this. Our fight is not with what we can see right in front of us. Our fight is with, with what we cannot see that's going all around us at all times. But we as followers of Jesus, we've got a common enemy. It's just not each other. We have to do our best to keep perspective so we know how to truly do battle, which I really believe is in prayer and in worship. And we see all of this is John 17, which is where I want you to go today. So if you've got your Bible, would you open up to John chapter 17? 
And we're going to fix our attention to the next thing that I believe we have in common, which is a common mission. It's a common mission. Let's, let's look at the prayer of Jesus together from John chapter 17. And right before, as we get into this, right before Jesus basically is arrested, putting his crucifixion into motion, we're going to see Jesus having this conversation with his disciples. And it turns to him with what we know is, is called the, the, the high priestly prayer. And so that's kind of what's happening is we're going to pick up in verse 6. And he starts and he says, he's praying to God. He says, I revealed you to those who you gave me out of the world. They were yours, but you gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. So he's saying this to, to God and he says, now they know that everything you have given me comes from you, God. For I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. And Jesus is saying, basically, I've done what I came to do. You remember if John the Baptist came to point to Jesus, Jesus came to point to God. He says, I've done what, you, I've, done what I've come to do. Now they see. Now they believe. Now they've obeyed. Now they know everything comes from you, God. Everything, 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 God, comes from you. Now they are common citizens of the kingdom, of your kingdom, with all the rights that come with that. And he goes on to pray. Watch this in verse 9. He says, I pray for them. I pray for them. Now listen, I want you to, don't, don't just hear the word of God kind of um, in a kind of ethereal kind of way. I want you to place yourself into the story because guess what? You are in this story. Right there as Jesus was praying, he is praying through time. And he is praying for every disciple, every follower, every person that would ever surrender their life unto him. Every person who would become a common citizen. Every person that would say, I believe in you, Jesus, and I'm going to follow you and I'm going to obey you. And so when Jesus says, I pray for them, guess what? You're in the story. He's praying for you. He's praying for me. He says, I pray for them. So that, that is, I hope that that is such encouragement for you today. If, you've, if, if maybe you've walked through the last season, which is an easy thing to do, especially during COVID. Maybe you've walked through the last season, you felt isolated, you felt somewhat alone. Can I tell you something? Be encouraged this morning because you have Jesus who he Not only did he intercede for you right here in this high priestly prayer of John 17, but I believe he intercedes on our behalf daily. He's praying for you. Be encouraged. He says, I'm not praying for the world right now, but I'm praying for those that you have given me, God, for they're yours, and all I have is yours, and all you have is mine. Notice his posture here. God, everything about me is you, and glory has come to me through them, he says. I will remain in the world no longer, but watch this. He says, they are still in the world. And I'm coming to you. Holy Father, would you protect them by the power of your name, the name that you gave to me, so that they may be one as we are one. Because when I was with them, he continues to pray, when I was with them, I protected them. I kept them safe by that name that you gave me. Listen, come on, somebody. There's power in the name of Jesus. He says, I kept them safe by the very name that you gave to me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Look at at the heart of Jesus when he knows what's about to happen, when he knows what's about to go down, when he knows what's coming. 
just not too long from then. Look, look at the heart of Jesus right there. So that they, I am praying for them, on, on the mind of Jesus right there is not what he's about to have to endure necessarily on the cross. What is on the mind and on the heart of Jesus in this moment is you and me. I'm praying for them. Protect them. Protect them by the name that you gave me. Protect them. They're still going to be here. But I'm coming to you and I'm saying these things while I'm still here because I want, I want them to have the full measure of my joy within them. Who needs a little bit of joy today? He's saying, I'm saying these things out loud. I want, to, I want them to have confidence. I want, I want them to be assured and encouraged that they may, so that they may be filled with hope. And look at the perspective, 14. I've given them your word and the world has hated them. And this is what I really want you to see right here. It says, for they're not of the world any more than I'm of the world. And listen, I think that we've got, we've got to zoom out a little bit. We've got, to, we've got to embrace not the culture of this world. We've got, we've got to embrace, we, we get to embrace the culture of his kingdom. And you know, I said this last week, I deeply love our country. I love that, that I get to live in America. But biblically, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not really of America. You see it? I don't want that to sound uh, disrespectful or contrarian or anything. Trust me. I, 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 I jokingly said, but I'm serious, man. Every time I hear Lee Greenwood in, I'm proud to be. I, a little tear right here. I mean, every time. I love where I live. But at the end of the day, um, I might be of this world or in this world, but I'm not to be of this world. Do you see it, church? I might participate in this world, in America. I might participate because why? Because I have a calling to do that. I am entrusted. That's a better word. I am entrusted from God to bring reconciliation and restoration and redemption into every situation. Everywhere I walk in, the atmosphere should shift, not because of who John is, but because of who Jesus is in John. Do you see it? I have a calling. God has entrusted this to me and you. He has entrusted to us this, this, this mission, this mandate to take the truth of who he is into a dark place and illuminate it until it glows like it's nuclear. Come on, somebody. I, I think I had some Gatorade or something. But even still, I'm not of this world. I have, listen, I have a place in this culture, but this culture really shouldn't have a place in me. And Jesus prays, my prayer is not that you take them out of this world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They, I, need, I need them to be in this world. But in this world, they're going to have trouble. In this world, listen, if you've listened to any preacher or pastor that told you, just come to Jesus and your life's going to be a-okay, your, your, all your bills are going to be paid, you're going to drive a fine car, and you're going to have a hot wife. <laughs> He'll give you the hot wife. I am proof of that. Thank you. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, sometimes I think that's like the way the Lord says, 
Yeah, I'm gonna give you this. I'm gonna give you this one. <laughs> but but listen, it's biblical to say in this world you're gonna have trouble. It's gonna be hard. You're gonna face trials. There's gonna be moments of suffering. There's gonna be dark nights of the soul. It may not always work out the way we want. It just may not. Maybe it does sometimes. And here's Jesus, and he's seeing through space and time, and he's saying, listen, Father, I'm asking that you would not remove them from the culture. They need to engage the culture. I'm just simply asking that you would protect them from the evil one. So here's, here, I want you to understand what he's saying. He's fully saying, I fully expect them to invade the culture and be a part of every aspect of it. Not shy away and get in their little Christian bubbles and their little huddles and do their little inclusive thing. No, no, no. They, they absolutely need to be engaged in the culture. They're just not of it. They show something different. See, Jesus didn't want us out of the world because there's something he has for us to do in the world. He was asking God to protect us from the evil one who is our common enemy. And he goes on to say again, they're not of the world even as I'm not of it. So, I mean, Jesus here has spent three or four verses basically saying the same thing, probably because we're going to have to hear it over and over and over because it's very, very, very easy for us to create our little Christian, you know, consumer, um, you know, clubs, our little Christian cultures, our little bubbles, and we kind of hang out there all the while the rest of the world is going to hell around us. But as long as we're safe in our bubble, that is not what Jesus called us to do. It's not who he called us to be. He called us to be salt and light and fragrant aromas of life. He wants us to engage the world, just not be of the world. Because if we're of the world, then we're not showing the world anything different about who Jesus was. And we are disqualifying and discrediting why Jesus came and died. He says, they're not of the world, but even as I'm not of the world. So he says, sanctify them by your truth, by your word is truth. Let me tell you what sanctify means. To to set apart for sacred use. He's saying, Father, set them apart for sacred use um, by your truth. Your word is is truth. He's saying, consecrate them. Basically, Father, dedicate them for divine purpose. This is what he's saying in this prayer, right? This one verse, he's saying, dedicate them for divine purpose, God. Make them holy. Make them sacred. Make them joyfully set apart. Purify them. Refine them, Father. That's what he's saying. By your truth. Your word is truth, God. Your word, that's why in Ephesians you say, and washed by the water of your Word, truth, truth. And look what he says next. He says, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. We have a common mission, everybody. We have a high and holy calling. And he says, you know, as I've said, I'm sending them now. I am entrusting to them now. I am pouring myself into them now that they may go and watch this, pour me out. Everything that we saw Jesus do, we should be doing. Um, you know, that could, that could somewhat be a little controversial to some systems of belief. And that's okay. We can unify around this. Jesus is the center. Um, and you run your race, but I'm going to run mine. And every time I read my Bible, everything that I see Jesus doing, I should be doing. He even says, you're going to do greater, even greater things. So my challenge for us today is, where are the greater things? 
Are we in the world or are we of the world? Are we, are we, kind, of, are we kind of pandering to our common enemy? Or are we fighting our common enemy in worship and prayer? That's how we fight our battles. Are we living into this common citizenship that he's called us to, understanding that there is a mission, there is a mandate from God on high who is entrusted to us because through his Holy Spirit that we would be empowered to everything he pours inside of us, we should pour out. Every day when we put our head on the pillow, we should be exhausted because we have literally poured it out as, a, as an offering unto the Lord. No matter where, what area of life you live in, no matter what your job is, Pour it out. We are called for such a time as this. Sit into the world to do as Jesus did. I need to check my time. Thank you. <laughs> but seriously, and, and I don't want that to just be a, a catchphrase for such a time as this. I literally believe, listen, you don't have to look at the news for 10 hot minutes and realize, man, for such a time as this, it is time for the bride of Christ to rise up and to pour Jesus out. It's time. We are called to this. We have a high and holy calling. We are to point to God in every way. We are to teach people about the Jesus of the Bible, not the Jesus of the American culture. We're to do as Jesus did. Disciple people into their identity so that they understand that they can be a, they can be a citizen of the kingdom of God. And, and with that, all of the rights of the kingdom of God comes with it. All of the inheritance of the kingdom of God comes with it. Now that we have life, eternal and abundant, that we need to teach them that they can have hope. We need to teach them, let people know that they can now be confident and assured. We need to warn people and remind them that we have a common enemy who hates us. He wants to divide us. He wants to depress us. He wants to destroy us. He wants to steal from us, rob for us, take from us, take away our joy and our passion. He wants to make us feel hopeless when, when we should be everything hopeful because of who Jesus is. We're, we're, we are to encourage people in this common mission, to imitate Jesus in every way, to embody the fruit, listen to me now, to embody the fruit of the Spirit, because we've been filled by the Spirit. I, when we walk, everywhere we go, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control should be flowing out of us at all times. And not just a few, not like, oh no, God has given me the talent for joy. No, no, no. <laughs> it's all of them. <laughs> I'm not sure about that whole long-suffering thing. That's not good for me. No. I'm just not a patient person. No, listen. It's all of it, man. It's the fruit. It's singular. It's a package deal. It's, it's, it's all of it. We are to be the fragrant aroma of a Christ to show God to be attractive in everyone. Now, look, look at this. Jesus turns his vision outward. You're going to recognize these verses from our theme, verse 20 and 21. He says, my prayer is not. Now he turns outward. Because he's been praying for us. And he goes, my prayer is, is, is not for them alone. And now he says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Watch what he said. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Through whose message? Whose message is he talking about? Ours. He says, I pray also. For those who will believe in me through their message, that they all, all of them may be one. That all of them may find unity in their common citizenship. That all of them may find um, unity against their common enemy. That all of them may find unity because of their common mission. In verse 21, that all of them may be one, unified, Father, as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And look what Jesus says next. I've given them the glory that you gave me. That they may be one as we are one, I and them, you and me, 
so that they may be brought to complete unity. And then he says this, and then, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Then the world will know that you love them, Jesus, when they love each other. When they love each other. Listen, the world will know the love of God based on the glory of God revealed in the unity of his bride. Are you hearing that? We are the bride. We're the body. We're the the church is what he's saying. The world will know the love of God based on the glory of God displayed and revealed in the unity of his church. The glory of Jesus becomes evident through the unity of his church. The basis of our unity is the person and the work of Jesus in his glory. I mean, here, Jesus focuses our attention to the future. He begins to pray for those who live today. Right now, he's praying way back then. He's praying for those today. He prays for the whole church, capital C, throughout all ages. He's already prayed for our security. He's prayed for our sanctity. And now, the burden of his prayer is for our unity. His concern is that his people experience a spiritual unity that is like the oneness of the Father and the Son. And listen to me. We, we, may belong, we may belong to different tribes, different fellowships, different churches, different denominations. I've often said this church is 31 flavors because we got a little bit of everything up in here, right? If you line about 10 people up and say, what denomination is declaration? You may hear 10 different things. It's kind of on purpose. It's kind of on purpose because I want us to be a kingdom-minded church, not a denominationally-minded church. See, we may even have some different doctrinal beliefs, but listen to me. We all belong to our Father and to one another in Jesus' name. Understand the disciples, right? The disciples that we read about, they often exhibited a spirit of selfishness and competition and disunity. This must have literally broken the heart of Jesus, which is strangely similar to what we see today. I wonder how Jesus feels about the state of his bride today. Thomas Brooks was a Puritan preacher who said this, discord and division become no Christian. For wolves to worry the lambs is no wonder, but for one lamb to worry another, this is unnatural and monstrous. Uh, anybody know who Ed Stetzer is? He's, like, he's a theologian, uh, preacher, Christian statistician, if I said that word right, statistician, Ed Stetzer. He's been very active in studying and engaging the church to get a pulse of kind of what happens in culture today with the church. Days ago, immediately following the election, this is what he tweeted right here. I'm going to show you. He said, a divided country needs a united church. Now, that's powerful, of course, Twitter, you know, all of a sudden, like, 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 respond. First response that I saw. You ready for this? Watch this one. Too late, a divided church helped divide the country. Heartbreaking that this is how some in the world see the church today. Another response from someone who I think was trying to come to Ed's defense. Let's see this one. Dear woke folk of Christian Twitter. This statement is already as nuanced as it needs to be. It presupposes nothing but the words of Jesus and his desire that we all might be one. Thanks. You may now go back to your regularly scheduled outrage. And Twitter is just one window by which the wondering, the, the wondering world peers into our stained glass windows, right? See, Jesus ends his prayer 
this way. Father, I want those you've given me to be where I am. I want them to be with me. I want them to see my glory, he says. The glory that you've given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. And I don't want to keep pointing it out, but I want you to just understand. I want you to feel the weight of this a little bit. Because I want us to think about how we react and we respond sometimes to other people, even people who are Christians. Not long ago, um, there was this battle going on on social media over a song that the church sings today. We love this song. We, I love this song. The song is What a Wonderful Name. Anybody know what I'm talking about? What a wonderful name it is. Great song. But the battle was over the very first lyric. And the very first lyric says, you didn't want heaven without us. So Jesus, you brought heaven down. Powerful. Man, I mean, total outrage in the church. What do you mean? He didn't, want, he didn't need us. Da, 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 da. It was just this back and forth, you know, Calvinist versus Arminian versus Charismatic versus whatever. Everybody, you know, Hillsong's the devil. You know, whatever. <laughs> Calm down, right? Simmer down. You didn't want heaven without us. I mean, it was a battle, y'all, so controversial. These tribes, man, certain systems of, of, of you know, systematic, whatever, they just add it, man, add it. But I want you to see the words of Jesus and look at the passion, look at the love, look at the compassion, look at the mercy, look at the grace. And by the way, look at the scripture. Look what he says. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. But you know what? That doesn't fit in my system of theology, so you're wrong. Hey, you know what? Everybody needs to take a chill pill and relax. My Jesus in my Bible, and I didn't add it. I don't add things to mine. But my Jesus literally said, I want John to be with me where I'm at. And so in order for that to happen, I'm going to have to go where he's at. Now watch me. Follow me. If we want people in this world to be where God is... We're going to have to go where they are. And we're going to have to embody the Jesus of the Bible and live the way Jesus lived and do the things Jesus did and love the way Jesus loved. We have a common mission. Are you with me, church? Is everybody hearing what I'm saying? Are you picking up what I'm laying down? Three people. Okay, good. <laughs> I want them to be where I'm at. He ends the prayer, and I'll just briefly... Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you've sent me. I've made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. See, we're common citizens. We've got a common enemy, but man, we're on a common mission to know Jesus and to make him known. We are called to this. We have a high and holy calling from God on high. We do. Ephesians chapter 4. Let's just, can we just make this agreement as a church, though? We're going to love our fellow Christians, our, our, our other fellow followers of Jesus, no matter what tribe they're in. Because we're going to choose to see them, if they claim Jesus as their Savior, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna choose to see what we have in common and, and go from there. And here's what we have in common. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That's it. And we're going to choose to love them and champion them. Can we do that? Will you? Because if I see you call somebody out, I'm going to call you out. All right? I'm going to say that in love. <laughs> Can we do that? And if I mess up and tweet something that seems, call me out. Will you? Because I desperately want, at least 
in this area for sure, I desperately want this area. When they think of Declaration Church, they may not know much, but they think, you know what? I think that church really loves people. They're not perfect, but they're, they're doing their best. They really love people. Ephesians chapter 4, we'll end with this, verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. See, he gave us all these different offices and anointings and callings and roles. He, he gave them to us to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. See, unity doesn't necessarily mean uniformity. We're not all running the same race. We're not all supposed to be doing the same things. One person can't do everything, but everybody can do something, and we are all called to something. We are entrusted with this from our Savior. We have a great common mission. Pastor and author J.D. Greer said this, Church, let's be united because the gospel we preach is of the greatest importance and the great commission is of highest urgency. So, we have a great commandment from God. Matthew 22, you know this. Um, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. He says, the second is, is, is just like the first. You can't divorce the two. You love God with everything and then you love your neighbor. It's the greatest commandment. Love God, love people. We also have a great commission from God. A few chapters later, Matthew 28, verse 18. He's coming and talking to his disciples. By the way, that's you and me. Let's, not just, let's just not just picture those you know, 11 or so that are hanging out with him. He's talking to all of us. And he says, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son, Jesus, and in the name of the Holy They need to be baptized in all three, the Holy Spirit spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Remember John 17, 18, as you sent me into the world, Jesus says, I have sent them into the world. See, Jesus calls us to love one another, to go. We are sent by him into the world, not of it, in it. And may we not forget Jesus' heart for us is unity because his heart for the world is salvation. Can we pray for just a moment? And I want you to hear me say this. This whole message right here, listen, we have the greatest why ever. You ever heard somebody say, what's your why? We have the greatest why when it comes to this mandate, this, this mission that God has called us to. We have the greatest why. You know, if you've been following along for months, we did a couple of, I mean, even during COVID, we did a series called What If? We did a series before that, just talking about redefining church. We did a series called Activate, and now we're doing this. And all of this, some of the, some of the common messaging amongst all of these things is this, man, for such a time as this, Jesus wants the fullness of our hearts. When we launched the movement initiative a year and a half ago, it really had nothing to do with convenience or comfort because it's not convenient and it's not comfortable. It's hard, but it had everything to do with people. Seeing the people that God passionately loves, that, that Jesus poured his life out for, and meeting the need. 
doing whatever we could possible to meet people where they were, whether that was for a worship service, whether that was an after-school program, whether that was a sports field or sports teams. We wanted to do that so that people would have the opportunity to come to know Jesus, for their life to be changed forever, for generations of families to be changed forever. That's the why. We have the greatest why. Jesus has entrusted this to us. He has poured his life into us that we may pour our life out for his glory and for the sake of others. We have a common mission. So, man, we took off and we started working together. Remember? It's been amazing. But then all of a sudden, it got hard. The economy got strange. Oil and gas, pandemic. No one saw it coming. But can I tell you what? God did. And the same God who called us into this church, the same God who said, I want you to be a part of this family and embrace this identity of Jesus and embrace this calling and this mission, that same God called us all to the church that's going to be about going to people, going to where they are, feeding people that need to be fed, clothing people that need to be clothed, being an agent of healing to people that need to find healing. That same God who called us way back before it got hard, before the economy did what it did, before the pandemic decided to grip everything, and before all the politicians got involved, that same God is the same God today who's right here saying, Declaration Church, the time is now. Will you unify under the banner of the name of my son, the name that is above every name, Jesus? Will you love people well because I love people well? Will you serve people the way I serve people? Will you see people the way I see people? Will you love people the way I love people? Will you reach out to people the way I reached out to people? I've entrusted this to you. I've poured myself into you. I've poured my life out for you. And would you glorify me and do the same? That same God who put that calling and that burden and made our heart beat faster a year and a half ago. And those of you who have joined in since then, who you've been a part of this family, that same God who issued that call then is the same God who is saying it now. And that's the God who also promised us, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete that work. That's the same God who promised us, he will work all things together for good for those who are called according to his purpose for those who love him. He's the same God. He's still with us. He hasn't left us. He hasn't abandoned us. He's taken care of us. And guess what? He never will leave or abandon us. And he is our provider. Amen? So Jesus, we come together with the heart of unity, God. God, may our hearts beat fast for your mission today. May we not be okay and satisfied to sit on the sidelines any longer yelling at the people playing on the field. Put us in, coach. And God, do something that none of us can imagine. I pray for an Ephesians 3 type of encounter where you just pour yourself out in such a way that we all just stand back stunned, but we are so amazed by you. We can't help ourselves, God. We will run into battle, into the most furious place where the war is waging the worst because, God, we trust that you will protect us and you're with us and you're fighting for us and you're fighting with us. So, God, whatever you ask, We say yes and amen. I pray, I pray, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now listen, would you just keep your eyes closed for a minute because I'm just, 
I don't want to miss a moment. Maybe there's some of you in this house today. You've never really given Jesus your life. You've heard about him. You've been a part of church. You've been a part of religion. You've done the things. You check some boxes. But listen, man, does Jesus have the fullness of your affections? Does he have the fullness of your surrender, your trust, your belief? Maybe you've never really said, Jesus, here's my heart, here's my life, here's my mind, here's my hands, here's my job, here's my family, here's my pocketbook, here's my time. Jesus, take it all. I surrender. And if you've never done that, man, would you pray with me right now? You can pray out loud. You can pray in your heart. But if you want Jesus in that way, trust me, he's going to change your life for the best. Not only will you inherit eternal life one day when you die from this life, but you will be enabled to live an abundant life, a full, joyful life. It won't be easy sometimes, but you'll have a God who loves you that's walking with you through it. If you want that, would you pray? Something like, Jesus, I believe you today. I want to receive your gift of life. I need your forgiveness. I need your freedom. Take away my past, my hurt, my shame. Set me free. Thank you for forgiving me. I want to be your friend. I want to be a friend of God. Would you change me? Make me new and walk with me forevermore. I belong to you, Jesus. I pray this. I pray this. Would you keep praying that? Would you pray this too? Jesus, would you empty me of my yesterdays? Would you empty me of my past? Would you empty me of my shame? Would you empty me of myself? And would you right now, in this moment, fill me with your Holy Spirit, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, church, can we just give the Lord a big hand of praise?